Welcome to the Balanced Being Podcast with Guni Sodi. Your life made simple. It's my honor and pleasure to have Supreet on. It's 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 been great. And let me give a little background about you know who Supreet is. Supreet has a really nice vision for you know life, and she believes that the purpose of life is to grow and learn. If you're not growing, you're not living. There's a lot that she has learned through her personal development and growth experience. Supreet lives in Canada with her husband and two kids. She was an engineer by trade, but gave that up in 2014, which I'm interested in learning about because it wasn't her passion. So that's always interesting because passion can make us do stuff like that, but then passion can also push us forward into what she's doing now. She's built an amazing YouTube following. She's transitioned her career to leadership training, which she absolutely loves. And as far as meditation, she would call herself a beginner level non-religious meditator who is passionate about inspiring people to meditate. So without further ado, Supreet, thank you so much for being on the webinar. And I cannot wait to learn about meditation techniques and just what people can get into. So let's start off with starting with your with your journey. You know, you were you were an engineer. And briefly, if you can let us know. What made you make that shift from being in, you know, into that career? I'm sure you invested a lot of time uh, establishing that to now, you know, doing what you are, which is which is your passion. So it's interesting for us to kind of talk about that. Then we'll get into the crux of you know meditation and all that stuff. So thank you so much once again, and I I look forward to this. Perfect. Thank you so much, Goody, for that uh, lovely introduction. Just want to add one thing to that introduction that I don't have any formal training in meditation. And by no means, I'm an expert. That's why I said I'm a beginner level meditator. But how I have learned about meditation is mostly through reading lots of books, articles. I've been to a couple of meditation workshops. And the biggest is I have learned through experience. And when I say experience, I mostly mean by failing. So I have struggled with meditation a lot. I started first started about five, six years ago, and I struggled a lot. I gave it up so many times, then I resumed it. So all the lessons I have learned by failing and getting frustrated, that is whatever the knowledge I have, primarily in addition to the books and stuff. And that is something that I feel like it's important to share with others because they may have gone through the exact struggles that I did. So I feel like by sharing them, I can help people and make their journey and progress a little bit faster than my own. from engineer to leadership trainer and uh, meditation. So I loved coding when I was in high school and I thought, okay, this is great. I should become a software developer so I can do this for the rest of my life. But then the idea of what a software developer does in my head, that fantasy was different from the reality of when you start working for corporate jobs. I have worked in three different IT companies over my uh, career of about seven years. And I just found that it wasn't what I had imagined it to be. There were parts of it that I really enjoyed, but most of it was just, um, you know, fixing bugs or doing things that like code that was badly written by other people that I had to find bugs in and that sort of stuff. So it wasn't bringing me joy. I, I did keep keep doing that because it's hard, like you said, when you've invested a lot of your time and money, it's hard to just say, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. So it took me a lot, lot of time to say bye to that and then um, change my career into um, 
leadership training. And that happened because I joined Toastmasters and that made me realize how much I love public speaking. And from there, I started thinking, okay, how can I make this into my career? Then I met someone who was into leadership training through Toastmasters and then ended up working for him. And around the same time, I was doing my experiments with meditation when I actually busted some of the myths that I also had and a lot of people have around meditation. And when I finally figured that, okay, I've cracked the code of meditation, then I, I was just so passionate. I just felt like, okay, I have discovered this and I know there are lots of people like me who maybe not necessarily view meditation from a religious point of view, but a scientific point of view. And I need to express to them what I have learned in my own way. So that's why I started my YouTube channel. That's so lovely. Thank you for that. I want to unpack a lot of the things you just said right there. First and foremost, the most important one being, what is meditation on a scientific plane? It's meditations everywhere. I mean, this app culture has made it popular, Headspace, Calm. These companies have billboards in San Francisco. You know, they have billboard signs in San Francisco and all that. So it's become huge and it's a great way to spread awareness. But what I'm also trying to understand is, I've had a lot of family members say, I just can't meditate. I can't shut my mind off. I can't sit there. Can you talk to us from a beginner level about what you've discovered meditation is and kind of the best way to get into it? I think in the simplest form, meditation is observing your thoughts. The biggest myth around meditation, and this is something I had fallen prey to as well, is that meditation means I have to empty my mind. I have to stop my thoughts. And because when I first started, I could not do that. I became very frustrated because I would get nonstop thoughts and I was questioning my meditation. And I was thinking, what's the point of just sitting and thinking with my eyes closed for 20 minutes? This can't be any good. So I, after getting so frustrated, I stopped meditating. I gave it up thinking, okay, I know it's good. I know lots of people get lots of benefits from it, but it's definitely not for me. I cannot do this. And I, and I felt that I was unique in this. And only later on did I realize that most beginners think like that. It wasn't just me. It was a lot of the people who are just starting out. So I would say meditation, the goal of meditation is not to stop your thoughts. Just like we can't stop our heart from beating, we cannot stop the mind from generating thoughts. It's an involuntary function. So the goal is not to stop your thoughts. It is to observe your thoughts without judgment. It's the observation within that consciousness. So you are aware of it, but it's not you. What would you say to somebody coming in? What are some of the common, because I loved what you said earlier, you were able to dispel the myths. Can you touch on some of the myths that you, that people new to meditation come in, either they're self-inflicted myths or they're myths they've heard of? And if you can go through some of the most popular ones you've heard of and just kind of say the truth, I think that'll really help people shift more into the meditative kind of habit. So I think the biggest one is this. You, have, you can't have any thoughts and that if you have a monkey mind, then you can't meditate. No, that is so wrong. Even uh, monks and yogis, even for them, it takes years of practice to achieve that state of being an empty mind and being thoughtless. So for a beginner to have that expectation is completely unrealistic. 
And a second myth would be um, some people think that meditation is only for religious reasons or spiritual reasons. But I think now, as you said, with Headspace and apps making it more and more popular, even if you are an atheist, even if you don't believe in God or nothing to do with uh, spirituality, you can still meditate. It need not have anything to do with religion or spirituality. It can be done from a completely scientific perspective. So just like you go to the gym to exercise your body, you do meditation to exercise your mind. It's as simple as that. It does not have to be woo-woo. It does not have to be done with uh, like lighting incense and like you can make it your own. So you don't have to do meditation. Certain people do meditation. Each person has their own practices and their own rituals. You can make it as simple as you want and as as scientific as you want without any extra rituals around it. One other myth that I'd like to talk to you about is the best time of day to do it. My teacher always tells me the best time to meditate is when you actually meditate. He doesn't care if you meditate in the morning or the evening. It's when you actually do it. So can you talk about that as well? I mean, some people in the morning, they're not being bothered versus if you have a full family, which, you know, both of us do. We have kids. In the evening, it may be tough because you're getting them to bed and everything like that. What would you say to somebody who's like, okay, what's the best time to meditate? Or what do you recommend? I love what you just said, that the best time to meditate is when you meditate. According to like the books and articles and research that I have done, most uh, meditation experts will say that first thing is the morning is a great time. And the reason is, like you said, you know, the house is quiet. Most of the family is sleeping. You're not disturbed by kids, so it's just a more conducive environment to meditate. So you're at least reducing all the distractions that you that are within your control. And the only distractions are the ones inside your head at that point. I feel like everyone should do their own experimentation because people have different schedules and different constraints. So with a lot of experimentation, I have learned that for me, the best time is actually first thing in the morning. I have meditated in the afternoon as well as in the late morning, sometimes in the evening. And with my experimentation, I have learned for me, morning is the best time. But for a lot of people, just right before bed is also a great time. There's a meditation teacher called Joe Dispenza. I was just finishing his book about breaking the habit of being yourself. He, he says it's equally good if you do it first thing in the morning or last thing in the evening. So. I would just say, do your own experimentation and find out what the best time is for you. It's so interesting. You mentioned Joe Dispenza. I'm putting out a podcast this week, tomorrow, actually, about Joe Dispenza and just everything oh. that, he, that he teaches. Yeah, it's amazing. But you're right. And as per Ayurveda, early morning, 4 to 6 a.m., even starting at as early as 2 a.m., that is a period to create, to visualize, to meditate. So in the morning, there's a block there, too, as per the Ayurvedic clock. And in the evening, it's kapha time slowing down, getting to sleep, slumber. So you're right, either of those work, but as you said, it's as per the person's, you know, what works for them. But the best thing to do is not to stress out about that, is to find the best time to actually do it. That is the most important thing. I know so many people, Supreet, that, you know, they don't get time at home, they don't get time at work. The time that they do get is that lunch break, they go in their car, close the door and put on a, put on something, 10 minutes, they meditate. So it's, the time you get to meditate is the best. Like when you actually do it is the best time. For somebody who's just starting and somebody beginning, what's the best way to get into this? The best way to get into it would be to start small. Whenever we are trying to incorporate a new habit into our lives, and this is true for any habit, not just meditation, 
what usually happens is in the beginning, we are excited, right? You decide, okay, tomorrow I'm going to start meditating. And then you decide to do it for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is. And then you're again excited the next day you do it. And then maybe after a few days, you skip a day and then you skip two days maybe, and then maybe a week, and then you just completely fall off the wagon. So lots of people make the mistake of starting big, and that is harder to continue and be consistent with. So instead, I would, I would recommend starting with a very small duration. It could be one minute, it could be two minutes, it could be five minutes, but that duration has to be small enough that you will not skip it. So consistency is more important. Showing up every day is more important than the number of minutes you spend in meditation when you're just starting out. In the long run, yes, the goal is to maybe sit for 15 minutes or 30 minutes to get the maximum benefits, but you do not start like that. Start small and slowly increase your time. So maybe after a week of meditating for a minute, you meditate for two minutes a day, or maybe you can do it twice a day, morning and evening. And then after another week, increase it to five. And then maybe after a full month of going five minutes every single day, then you can increase the duration to seven minutes, eight minutes. Because with building new habits, and this, this is from the book Atomic Habits, you have to start small and focus on being consistent so you can stick with it long term. Absolutely. It's the combination of that discipline plus that 1% rule. Have you heard of the one improving something by 1% a day? I mean, it adds up yeah. to 365% improvement in the end of the year. So right, you literally right. almost created yourself, you know, three and a half more times. So it's very interesting. Here's another one that I get asked all the time. Is it better to meditate lying down or sitting up? I'll tell you my perspective, but I'm interested to hear yours as well. So some people meditate to help them fall asleep. That's one of the benefits, right? Some people, they can't sleep, but if they meditate, it helps them. So if that is your goal, if you're laying down in bed, then that's perfect because your goal is to fall asleep. But if you're doing meditation for other reasons, not to help you fall asleep, then I would recommend doing it sitting up. I find even if I'm in my recliner, so I'm not even laying down, I'm just a little bit reclined, that puts yep. me to sleep. I have to sit with a straight back. That's very important. So sitting, being comfortable, but with a straight back, for me, that's what works the best because it keeps me alert and yet comfortable. I use, I sit on the floor in my living room, but I have my back resting on the couch because I, I do not have uh, such a good uh, back that I could do it without any back support. So I'm sitting cross-legged on the floor, but with the support of my couch, and that helps to keep my back quite straight. And I'm still comfortable enough that I can sit like that for about 30 minutes. Got it. This question was actually asked in some of the comments. But, you know, what have you noticed since you began meditating? What was some of the first things that you noticed? It was interesting for me when I began, I actually began to notice how loud my mind was. And I actually, I guess it was the old pent up energetic patterns or old pent up things that I was suppressing. I actually noticed I was more emotional in the earlier days. And then eventually it, it calmed down. And I think I studied that and I asked my, my mentor and he said that was very normal because what's, what was truly unconscious at the start is now becoming to be conscious. You're actually giving it space. So what has been your experience since you started meditating? Because I told you how I struggled at the beginning, my initial experience was full of frustration and feelings of, this is a bad meditation and I am not good at this and I suck at this. So that was mostly what my initial <laughs> that was mostly what my initial experience was because like I said at the time 
I was expecting to have an empty mind. And I wish someone had told me what I am um, talking about today, that no, the goal was just to observe my thoughts. And the thing that you sent about, uh, said about the pent up energy and emotions coming up, I really like that. Although I do not remember specific things like that happening to me, but that may be because my meditation experience was a on and off, on and off. And, I, and because I started so, so long ago, I don't really remember that happening to me. But it's interesting that you said that because in our day-to-day busy lives, we don't really sometimes process all our emotions fully. And when we sit down to meditate, we are giving the chance for those repressed emotions to come out. And that may be painful for some people because maybe they're childhood issues. Maybe there's things from the past coming up. Maybe there's some relationship issues that we have buried down. And when you finally give yourself the gift of sitting by yourself in peace without distractions, those suppressed things might come up. And although it may be painful in the short term, I think that's a really good thing to happen. And if that's happening, we should treat it as a victory, not as, and we should not think that, okay, meditation was supposed to make me feel relaxed, but here I am feeling more agitated because of these emotions coming up. Because if they're coming up, then they're going to escape. You're letting them go. You're letting them out finally. So it's a good thing if that is happening. And in your experience, what have been some of the benefits that you've noticed personally? Right. So I am calmer. My focus and concentration is stronger. I would say I'm happier as well, for sure. And the biggest one is my emotional resilience is way higher. I think I talked about this when we did the podcast last year, when my dad passed away about three years ago. The way in which at that point I had been meditating for about two, two to three years and the way I, I was able to accept his passing and move on with my life. I am still to this day surprised because I feel like within a week I was, you know, back to being a mom, doing things for my kids, doing things for their school and, uh, you know, doing my grocery shopping and all those things. Like I was, somehow able to accept that and move on. And that still surprises me to this day because I was very close to him. What my expectation would be that, you know, I completely break down for months or at least one month, but that did not happen. So that that emotional resilience, that mental strength, I feel like that was a direct consequence of meditation. If you don't mind me asking, through the meditation practice, do you believe you hold a place of love for him when you think about him? Or is it still the grief? It's, it's interesting what you're saying. And my intuition is saying that you hold that lot of love for him versus the grief emotions that can really tear people down and continue to cause the suffering that I also do this work. But it's interesting for me to kind of ask you that question. I think it will be love. I am, like, although I started very, very scientifically, but I'm also reading a lot of spiritual books. And because of that, I, I do believe that, you know, it's just the body that leaves us and the soul is still there. So I, I do feel like, you know, he's still there. Although I do miss the, you know, I do miss being able to talk to him and like Absolutely. really hug him and all that. But I think it's mostly love. You know, grief has four stages, denial, 
anger. And the last one is acceptance. I forgot what the third one is. So normally people take a long time to get to the fourth stage of acceptance. But I feel that because of meditation, I reach that fourth, st- fourth stage faster. And it's interesting. A mentor of mine and somebody that I've worked with, he talks about grief and he talks about this as well. As human beings, we are programmed and conditioned to move on. That is our innate conditioning. It is having this relationship that meditation opens up a different relationship, understanding that the tape playing in the mind, the thoughts, the emotions are not you. When you're able to open up to that, that is when events may not cause you so much disturbance or suffering. Now, let me clarify myself that when I say, you know, when you think of your dad, of course you can feel the sadness. Of course, maybe you shed a, shed a tear. Same thing when I think of people, but that sadness, that tear, that crying does not succumb us to the point of we're not able to shake out of that mood or emotional state. I think that is the awareness that meditation helps us discover. One last question that I'd like to go to the audience. Can you share with us your meditation practice? So what I do with my meditation is I get bored very easily, okay? So to prevent that, to prevent that, I keep switching it up. On some days, I will do guided meditation. So these days, I have been doing guided meditation, some good channels on YouTube that I follow, uh, the Chopra Center, that's um, Deepak Chopra's uh, YouTube channel. So they have a few good guided meditations I have been doing. Then there's a YouTube channel called Meditative Mind. There are some good good ones there. And sometimes I don't even know what the channel is. I will just, you know, search for like 20-minute guided meditation or let's say on a particular day, if I'm just feeling anxiety, I will just say guided meditation for anxiety. That's one thing that I do, guided meditations. But many times I do meditations on my own as well. And most of them are I have made videos about on my YouTube channel, Grow With Supreme. So if anyone is interested, they can see the details. There's like at least uh, probably 15 or 20 different kinds of meditation. So there's uh, sometimes I would do mantra meditation. Sometimes I would do um, alternate nostril breathing. Sometimes I would do, um, there's four phase breathing. Actually, there's one really, there's one we can do right now with the audience if, uh, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it should take 30 seconds. So this one is from the book Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. So what I'll do is I'll just give you the instructions first, and then maybe we'll just give 30 seconds of silence uh, for them to do it on your own. So it's very easy. It's very simple. And you can totally do this even if you've never meditated before. You're just going to close your eyes and you're going to become very, very alert and present. And you're going to wait for your next thought to happen, for your next thought to arrive. So you're essentially being like a cat that's watching a mouse hole. So what thought is going to come out next from the mouse hole? Okay, that's all you have to do. So now I'll just go silent for about 30 seconds. So, Guni, do you want to share first what happened? First, when you said that, I started looking for thoughts right away. 
But then I was really able to kind of observe, get back into the observation state of the thoughts. And I did experience that silence, you know, inside. It was really powerful, right? When you, so many, I think so much of the day, we forget to center ourselves. And as soon as you said, hey, be here, have all the senses here, that was, that was a nice, gentle reminder. Okay, someone in the chat is saying, I got into details, what kind of mouse and what kind of cat. Yeah, that <laughs> happens too. So when I was reading the book and I read this and I did this for the first time, I was just surprised by how long it took for my next thought to come. Just because I was watching for it and waiting for it, I was like, okay, no thought yet, no thought yet, no thought yet. I think it took about 20 seconds for my first thought to come. And that is pretty amazing for a person with the monkey mind that I have. For people in the audience, try this again on your own too, because right now you're in a social environment and maybe there's the mind is more active than usual. But when this webinar is over or maybe tomorrow, try the same thing on your own and just see how long it takes for your first thought to come. So this is an example of, um, you know, Guni, we were talking about obstacles earlier. One obstacle that a lot of beginners face when it comes to meditation is that they can't find the time to meditate. So this is a, just one example that there are meditations that can be done in 30 seconds. I have another meditation that I learned from another book, Joy on Demand by Chade Mengtan. He's the Google engineer who brought the concept of meditation to Google as part of their corporate strategy. And they, um, they now have regular free meditation classes for their employees. And uh, Chade Mengtang was one of the pioneer engineers who was responsible for, for bringing meditation. And in his book, Joy on Demand, he talks about a meditation called Loving Kindness Meditation. It takes only 10 seconds to do. So for people who don't have the time to meditate, wow. I want you to know that you don't have to take out 15 minutes, 20 minutes, or even 10 minutes. If you're super short on time, there are some very, very short meditations that you can do. And another thing you could do is something that is called informal meditation. So formal meditation is when you sit down and, you know, close your eyes and try to find a place where there's no distractions. But informal meditation is where you just find waiting periods or free times in your schedule that are already there. For example, when you're waiting for the water to boil for your tea in the morning or you're waiting for your coffee to brew or you're standing in the checkout line at a grocery store, or let's say you're at a red light when you're driving. So all these times when you're doing nothing, you can use that to take a few deep mindful breaths. And of course, if you're at the red light, please keep your eyes open, don't close them. <laughs> and just by taking these few deep mindful breaths in these waiting periods that are already built in your day, you can do informal meditation, and you don't have to carve out time, especially from your day to meditate. Great, wonderful things. I mean, I, I think even when we're so present and lost in something, like for example, somebody's cooking and the, and the sense of time, sense of thought is lost. I always tell people that's also, in my opinion, a meditation because you're so in the moment, right? And you're enjoying, you're with your senses and everything. So it's amazing. Supreet, thank you so much for all of that, you know, sharing and getting getting kind of your journey and what you do and the tips and, and everything. So any books, Supreet, that you want to mention that's really good for beginners? Yes, I will show you actually. I have it right here. Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics by Dan Harris. 
when I read this book, I had so many aha moments. And I was like, oh, why wow. didn't I have this book earlier? Because it busted a lot of the myths. And I have gifted... I'm ordering it right now. I have gifted this book to many people. I, this may be the only book that I bought multiple copies of to give to people. Yeah, highly recommend this book. This book is written by Dan Harris, who is like a TV, sh- uh, TV news host. So, I mean, it's not... I feel like when we read books written by monks or yogis, we may not relate to them because we feel like, okay, I have this life. I have my kids and my job. So I can do what this yogi is doing, right? But this book is written by someone who has a job. He's living a regular life like we are. So his advice is very practical. We did have a question that came in from Shruti. Um, It says, how can I get my kids started on meditation? Thank you for that question, Shruti. It's a great one. I think the best thing you can do is by example. And that's true for anything. Whatever your kids, uh, whatever you want your kids to do, whether it's reading or talking in a particular, particular way, by example is always better than by telling them or by lecturing them. So what I have done uh, with my kids is same thing by example. And there are lots of good books you can find from the library or you can purchase them that are, ab- that are about meditation. Some of them I have reviewed on my YouTube channel. And if you just search for meditation books for kids and put, this, put the age of your kids, you would get some very good uh, approaches. And I find kids really learn anything better through books because, you know, in books, especially if they're written for kids, there'll be characters, there'll be colorful pictures. And I feel like, at least with my kids, they learn really good from books. On apps, like Shruti, you mentioned that you're using the Headspace app. So Headspace, Calm, and a lot of other meditation apps, they have meditation specially designed for kids. And then you can choose by age. You can choose what age your kid is. And then based on that, it'll be like a two-minute guided meditation or five-minute if your kid is a bit older. So those are some of the things I would recommend. And start early. I feel like um, kids, when they are younger, like as, as soon as they can interact with you and understand you, so maybe around three or four years of age, I think that's a good time to expose them yep. to meditation. Because now my son, my, young, uh, my older son, is uh, 10. And now he's already entering that preteen age where he, you know, anything that I want, I say he does not want to do that. So catch them young. That's good advice. Supreet, where can the audience learn more about you? Where can they watch the videos that you create? Where can we send them? So I'm most active on YouTube. That's my main social media platform. And my YouTube channel is called Grow with Supreet. And on that, I have um, a lot of content around meditation. And I also do personal growth and self-help books related stuff, some parenting videos as well. Uh, And if you're specifically interested in meditation, I have two playlists. One is called Best Meditation Tips for Beginners, and the other one is called Easy Meditation Techniques. Those two playlists would be a great place to start if you are looking for content specific to meditation. So Shruti said, uh, what benefits do you have noticed? We answered that one. But then I think her second question is, I have been meditating on and off using the Headspace app, but I don't know if anything is Uh changing. Great question, Shruti. So I was also like that for a long time. I didn't know if anything is changing, but I just knew to trust the process and keep going. Even if it is on and off, it is doing some benefit. Even if it is, in your opinion, not, you know, a long time to sit or not an ideal way to meditate, 
it is still good. It is still doing something. And sometimes these changes are so small and so gradual that we may not notice anything. So when I told the story of my dad, until that happened, which happened about three years after I had started meditating, it was only then when something, a, a big event in life happened like that, that's when I was, I was taken aback and I, was, I connected the dots. And then I thought, okay, this has to be meditation because this does not feel like me. So be patient, trust the process, keep going. Something related to that is that do not judge your meditation. So let's say you meditate and at the end of your meditation, don't think, oh, I don't feel relaxed or I don't feel better before and after the meditation. So it m must not be good. Just do it and then move on, move on with your day because you cannot judge your practice by the quality of your last sit. It's just something that you just keep going, keep doing, keep doing. And even if you don't see the benefits, they are happening. Trust the process. No, it's, it's such great advice. And the fact that, you know, the patience, like we, we, we expect this conditioning that we've been having for years to be done in, in one 15-minute sitting. You've got to be patient with yourself. So I will let Supreet kind of take us out with some finishing thoughts, Supreet. And, and aside from your page on YouTube, can they connect with you other way as well? So please, if you can share some finishing thoughts and then, you know, once again, mention they can connect with you on YouTube. Anywhere else? Yeah, so YouTube is my main one, but I use the same handle, Grow with Supreet, also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. All, All right. If I can end with a quote from Abraham yes, Lincoln please. that I feel is very, very apt here. So, and this is especially for people who feel like they don't have the time to meditate. So, Abraham Lincoln said, Give me six hours to chop down a tree. And I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. So mm. I feel like when we meditate, what we're doing is we're sharpening the axe. Right now, if I have a job and I feel like I have, you know, I'm busy, no time. But if I somehow made it a priority and carved out 20 minutes, the benefits I get from those 20 minutes are going to more than make up for that time. So I'm sharpening my axe for the first two hours. And as a result, I'm going to chop the tree much faster, much easier. Thank you so much, Supreet. This has been so much fun. Supreet, thank you once again for your time. Always a pleasure to have you. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for joining. Thank you. Take care. We hope this episode helped make your life simple. It would mean the absolute world to us if you share, subscribe, and let others know about the work we do here. Thank you. And join us next week on the Balanced Being Podcast with Guni Sodi.